Hello everyone, we are back to another Fireside Chat. This is Fireside Chat number 17, right? So who knew that we would record so many of those things, right? So <laughs> I think we're having a good time and I'm very happy to see the, the reaction that you're getting from people as well. So thank you very much for all of you that are following our chats, that subscribe to the channel, are leaving your comments, or even reaching out to us like uh, in private and asking for topics and stuff. So thank you very much for everyone that's following us. And so if you are new to these chats, basically what we do normally, we sit down, the three of us, we have a drink and we pick a topic, a topic that is uh, that we are interested to discuss. And um, we don't do any prep. We just like have a brief conversation, pick a topic, press the rec button and start talking about it. So you see a lot of half-baked ideas uh, and just like brainstorming ideas. So I hope you like. So today, today we picked a topic that uh, is a problem that many, many companies are facing, including ourselves, right? Is how can we grow our development teams? How we hire uh, software professionals uh, sustainably? As we all know, like we have a shortage apparently across the entire world. Every company that we speak to, they are saying, hey, we want to hire. We are hiring. And by the way, we are also hiring. So uh, so how can we do that when there is such a shortage? So how does it change the recruitment process? What are the trade-offs? So if you're changing the recruitment process, you are uh, maybe, uh, I don't know, uh, softening certain areas or, or becoming more specific or how can we bring more people in but do that sustainably so that is the question given the current context so guys how do we deal with that in um, general jose do you want to start or shall i uh, go go for go okay so i'll i'll kind of slightly broaden the topic so it's not just about bringing the people in of course that's a major part of it especially if you're growing you're not just gonna grow with with just the people you have um so it's also about re retention so you know as you're bringing people in you need to be able to keep them and related to that is also progression that you know if you're at different levels when you are bringing people in it is i guess a kind of a, a demo uh, natural demographic in our industry you know there are more junior people and they are less senior and and it's easier to hire a more junior so how you kind of build them up to and progress them so that you know you're filling the, uh, creating the right kind of shape in your company as well so i think it's it's a bit of everything it's um so we can we can maybe start with uh with the hiring part um and i i'll i'll start with just one thing is it's about the first first thing is to hire the right people and and be able to what we call increase the number of people or number of suitable people coming in increase the kind of top of the funnel if you think of it as a kind of a process of elimination in terms of people who are suitable and who you are suitable for um so you know how how do you increase the funnel so i think maybe we constrain the first uh discussion around how do you actually hire more right at at the different levels i don't know Jose. what do you think i i think 
I'll I'll go uh, before that to some extent, right? Because it, and it answers your question. So how do you get more people interested in your company? And I think this is very much related on on the current you know, state of the industry for this stuff. Now, like if you look back a couple of years, you could uh, you know by pay more, right? Or or having perks or having like you could make your organization more attractive. No, to some extent, to certain types of, of, of candidates, right? Um, but in recent times, no, uh, there are just many other things that also make it attractive, like the culture and so on. Like there, there's plenty of other areas that you can touch on. But usually, if you had money, you know, you create a nice environment and, you know, the, you put the honey and then, you know, people come, right? Now, what has happened, I think, uh, that has disrupted this a lot is uh, on one side that has become a very competitive kind of arena. So, so if you're not one of the companies that has deep, deep pockets, no, what can you do, right? Um, and on the other side, with the whole COVID and remote and you know all of these changes that we've been living through in the past two years, uh, what has happened, I think, is that people are not constrained by anymore by what they have available locally, right? So before, if you're you know in Barcelona, if you're in London or whatever, like you have access to specific um, you know companies that are kind of located around you, but now that's not the case. You could be living in you know in Asturias, right, in a little town somewhere. As long as you have good internet, you could be working for you know. Uh, any of the fang no or you could be you know basically especially in technology working anywhere right and and this is i think quite important right it's like because it is about again creating a, a space where people do want to work in and one of those things is people want quality of life no and they 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 want you know the whole i live at work no, and and I, I get up and it's dark and I go back and it's it's dark again and I waste you know three hours in the uh, in the tube uh, every day you know or stuff like that is they're trying to get, to move away from that right so I feel like that's one of the areas so addressing what those needs are and how those things are changing for the current market is is essential right so we're talking about things like remote uh, we're talking about uh things like um um work life balance no in in many areas uh we're talking about things like uh development no and and uh you know how do you progress no in, in your career um and so those are some of the smaller ones that you can kind of you know start either promoting or or at least consider inside your offering no when you're trying to bring people in i don't know what what you think so i think that remote is certainly here to stay i think that the pandemic just accelerated uh, a trend that was already coming and but but you know like as we discussed a few times ourselves and I've been thinking about it. It seems that every time that you, at least every time I think on a solution, it comes with more problems. You know, so I don't have, of course, we don't have that solution ourselves if we, if we 
had the solution, we would be uh, very happy right now. But like, for example, the, the, the question was increasing the funnel, right? One of the things that you, you, you were mentioning is like, well, let's go beyond our current geographical areas, right? Before, for example, this was true for us and it was true for most of our clients and the companies that we know, you would hire within your geographical area. Right, because you expect the people to come to the office. So, with the shortage and with people's preferences, not only on the shortage of people, but uh, in our industry, which is a problem, but also the preference for the type of work changed as well for all those professionals. Right, so people are now they 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 want at least some flexibility. So then, what most companies did, including ourselves, well, you. You, you remove that constraint. You don't need to be at a commuting distance from an office. You can work remote. But that came, that created a different problem because as soon as we open to remote and most companies are work, working, uh, opening to remote, you open to global competition. So now uh, people can work for many different countries and different companies and, and that before would not be possible. So reaching out to those companies becomes harder. Another problem that comes before was already very difficult to create a, 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 a culture, a company culture. Even when we were collocated, it was not easy to create that. And every Especially company, for a consultancy, yeah. For a consultancy is even worse because like our people are always working with clients, right? So, but even for product companies, they had to put already a lot of effort into create a, a a culture and now uh, with remote work so you solve a problem in terms of opening up the funnel but you create problems that were already difficult to solve and now they become even worse right so those are just a few things that as i said like it seems that every time we try to do one thing we create other problems and that's why the, the topic was like how can we grow but sustainably so okay we open for remote great how do we deal with all those those other mm -hmm. problems. I'd argue that the problem was already th there. Whether we open for remote or not, we the problem is there. You know, the market has is open for remote, so so mm -hmm. we need to be right. So we, you know, if companies, especially in the tech industry, that are do not open for remote work or do not hire for for fully remote co contracts or hire on fully remote contracts, rather, they they are um you know they're they're kind of they will struggle and this you know it's it's a necessity right and but that doesn't mean that everyone wants to be remote and right now like the way that our contracts are structured we have fully remote contracts and we have contracts that we call hybrid so they're not fully in office contracts either where we are quite flexible it's a flexible way of working where you may be very close to an office and you come to the office as and when you need or you wish, right? Because a lot of people still want that. A lot mm -hmm. of people want to be able to come to the office for many different reasons. You know, they may not have the right setup at home or they need a break or, you know, as you said, you know, in, in person meeting your colleagues is, is a very different thing. And they want to do that often. I mean, I myself go to the office once or twice a week, right? And not because I need to, but because I want to. And I find it very pleasant to to see my colleagues. So you need to provide that flexibility. I think that's one thing. So so otherwise you are going to fall behind in your in your competition. But then as you said, 
that's not the only thing you need to do. Then you need to look at, well, uh, how do you create a vibrant culture even when people are remote, right? And this is this is a, something that's very difficult. So I, we can talk about a bunch of things. One is about culture. One is about making sure that we are working effectively as well, right? So when I talk about vibrant culture, it's about identity. You know, I belong to this company, and the way you 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 kind of create that identity is by people you know you you identify with the other people that you you're working with so so i think there is a challenge there and maybe i'll present that as a as a challenge to yourselves in how do you create that identity now in this world where some people would never come to the office and others may come to the office once in a while right mm -hmm. one thing that i'm seeing though is that initially you proposed to go you know from top of the funnel to to bottom and that's kind of like in the middle like it, once someone is in there how do you keep them how do you retain them and so mm -hmm. on so uh, maybe we could park uh, that and and when we get to that point we can we can yeah, address sure, it. Sure, otherwise sure. we'll be jumping around a yeah, little bit yeah you know? yeah um, so let's we talked about the the contracts and that, making the yeah. contracts better to so but what else can you do to increase that kind of top of the funnel as well there is a thing which is providing visibility about you know what it is to be working at you know whatever company you're in right like and this is i think extremely important uh, especially for smaller companies yeah because again not everyone like you you think of you know a google or even sap or any other you know multinational thing like they're very well known brands and you can kind of figure out what it is you know there's something associated with with the brand uh, itself no but let's say a company like us where maybe we'll we're known in a specific you know area like craftsmanship or you know uh, xp and you know that that kind of world may not necessarily be something that people outside that world know about right so uh, spending, you know, but putting the effort into getting that part of your culture to be known by people that are not inside, you know, they're, they're not inside the scope of where you normally would work, I think is essential, right? And you can do that in many different ways, right? Like you can collaborate with, uh, you know, communities, you can send people to uh, give talks at events, you can... You know, there, there's plenty of, of actions no, that you can put in place. But I would say that the key for all of those things to be successful is that, one, you do have a culture that people want to work in. No? And two, you have people who are representatives of that culture and they have great communicative skills and so on. Be the ones that are the ambassadors for, for your brand and be the ones representing, you know, the company and so I, I always when when we talk internally about this i always say that everyone is representing you know coherence like every interaction that you have you are representing the company it doesn't matter what responsibility you have people are look at you and they will see also coherence they will see you of course right and a lot of people want to work with you this is this is also important no but you are to some extent representing the company and that shows 
no? So picking those ambassadors and making sure that they're, you know, showing what it is. It's not, this is not about putting up a front. That's the worst thing that you can do because people see through, through that, right? Or when they join, they'll find um, out. And yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, so we have here uh, opening up for, well, be open to remote work. That's one way. Uh, we also talked about putting more effort into the employer branding, right? So, so make sure that we, uh, companies start exposing more uh, how they work, who they are, uh, th their internal culture, basically, is another way. So to make their company more well-known within the development cycles. So those were the two things that we mentioned. There is another one. Uh, I don't have hard data on this. I just have my own perception, right? But software developers or software professionals have always been in high demand. That's what we were just briefly mentioning before we start recording, right? So they, 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 they've always been in high demand, but I feel that it became worse now. I think that there is far more demand for the amount of software engineers uh, or software professionals in general uh, in the market. I don't know if it's because the, the market became more global, but, but that's the impression that I have. And, and, and now there is a, an elephant in the room here, right? So every company that I see, they are hiring more developers, including ours, or software professionals, not developers, software professionals in general. So then before, I felt that companies were more, more specific in terms of what they were looking for. We need a professional with these, these, these skills. And they would interview a few people. And then, of course, it was not easy, but, but they would go for what they really wanted. I felt now that all companies are becoming more flexible. So like, instead of saying, like, I'm going to really, really look for what I want, you know what? Let me broaden up a little bit more and bring, bring some people in that is reasonably around that shape so that I can attract more people because the, the, the competition is higher, the demand is higher. So the elephant room in the room that we hear in a lot uh, places is like, should companies lower the bar? Should companies now say, you know what? Instead of being very picky, let's try to look for uh, different type of skills instead of specific skills maybe they say I will favor like uh, behavior or, or uh, attitude but then and then open up the funnel because that was the discussion right we we're talking about the, the funnel in, in attracting people to organization so being more wide in your search so that you can attract more but then that sounds a good idea in general to be more uh, look for more, more of a diverse set of uh, skills, right? But you might create a different problem as well. If you widen too much or if you re relax certain things or if you... I don't, I don't like to use the I'm term gonna... lowering the bar. I, I don't... I don't. I deliberately trying to avoid the, 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 the lowering the bar because that's not what I believe that companies are doing. I think that they are... They're, uh, they're trying to solve a problem, and and I think they're trying to solve a problem, we, and they are exchanging they, the skills. They are saying, you know what? Let's try to see which skills we can probably teach them when they come in, and skills that we might not be able. But then you create a problem because if you bring those people in, you need to teach them. 
that's that's what I wanted to to push push out to you. Yeah, guys. I I just to add on that, and I, I think I I sort of uh, alluded to that before when I said it it had become a very competitive uh, market, and I think one of the uh, consequences of that is that the expectation of candidates have also gone up a lot for many reasons right like you have agencies you know bumping up the the, the numbers etc but in general you now find people who maybe are at an entry level in the industry and they are you know going for salaries of you know maybe someone with five years of experience would be uh, getting access to you no know, or, or things like this you know a couple of years back yeah, i'm not saying that's not that so what the problem with that is that it has become unsustainable you can no longer pay what the market is asking for what you want it no so what you you if you're filtering at this level and people are coming with you know this expectations then it's really hard you know how, how many times can you do that yeah uh not only that sometimes people are coming at this level but but they're not even at the you know what you require there they are below right so that quickly becomes unsustainable for organizations uh in general so they, there is a need to find a different approach to it and i think what you mentioned sandra where you know you're kind of you already know that you're not going to find exactly what you need at the cost no or at the at the investment that you want to have but you're then looking at you know can i bridge that gap right like can this be an investment? And then I can hire at, at a different. I can hire at a different investment or a different cost. No, invest in people to grow them to where I need to, and sort of like get a little bit outside of what what the market. No, what the trend in the market is, which is definitely not something that you can compete in. We we we. I mean, I'd like to think that we had these problems from the moment we started Codurance. We started Codurance in the middle of the of the city of London right and always we were surrounded by investment banks who had very deep pockets and could completely uh, outmatch us on salaries right mm -hmm. now i would personally say that they everyone optimizes in certain ways companies that have a lot of money uh, uh will or don't have a lot else to offer yeah would uh uh, compete on on price would compete on salaries one thing i would say is that you know it's you know i, I would take the example of you know a, a a football club that has a shitloads of money can bring in all the talent they like what normally happens all that talent would not be able to create the success and not just that they will destroy that talent in some way as well they will not i mean destroy is maybe a wrong word but they they will stifle their talent it, because of the culture and all those, the very fact that they are competing on this particular area. And I, I would uh, forward a word of caution to people who are also looking at that in particular, right? Is that, you know, it is easy to go to right now to a recruitment agent and they might tell you and they would be right. You know, I can get you a job for, you know, 20, 30, 40% even more than what you are expecting. But just be careful on the companies that are competing at that level. And we've had to. We've had to compete uh, in that kind of market for a long time, right? And so I think companies that are 
you know, those will always be an issue. Okay, yes, granted, it's a bigger issue right now, but I don't think we should be um, scared of that because that part, we're talking about sustainability. That thing is not sustainable. People go there, either they get stagnated or they see the, the culture and they move on, right? Yeah, and it's true, but, but I still have a problem today that I need to solve. And again, it's, it's, it's something that a lot of companies have already started recognizing and they've started you know if we're moving down the funnel now into relaxing maybe some of the criteria for entry and mitigating uh, you know what the kind of problems that that would create for you right a lot of companies are going for things like you know creating your own academy or boot camp or so on right you have people like uh, sara i think recently launched uh, one you have voxel group you have a, a bunch of companies are doing that or they were already doing that like for instance kudurans has been doing this for since the beginning for That's a different true. reason no um but uh, the approach now is this is this has become you know a very strategic part of you know growing and continuing to develop the business all right? i would argue that always was always was companies that didn't do this were you know they were not really in any sustainable and they suffered from it even before right and i think we of course it it, it it's but this is the, the in this particular case the 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 solution to the problem that we are facing is actually is actually a good one it's not that we are making a compromise and i think sandro said earlier as well right that you know we don't like to think of it as lowering the bar because actually when we we are really custom fitting the role at the very detail uh, to the kind of the job offer, right? You say, you know, this person have X number of experience, you know, years of experience in Java. I mean, we've even had like particular libraries and, and those kind of things as well. Now, those are the things that are not important. The important aspects have always been the attitude, the communication skills, the things that we call softer skills, right? They've always been the more important ones and other things can be taught. It's just that certain companies never even bother to teach any of it, right? Um, and, I, would, and I would add, sorry, sorry. Go, go on, go on, go on. Go on. No, I, I would add that when you tailor the the job now uh, to, to this is what I need and you're this is what you're looking for in the market versus what we're discussing now where you're relaxing a bit more and then growing people internally. I think that's even good for the industry. In, in, instead of lowering the bar where you're actually contributing to bring more people into the industry that will grow and you know in a year in, in a couple of years time they will be able to offer even more uh, Exactly. With the know, right, in, they in they general. they have the right foundations, and it's actually in a way taking out some of the 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 things out of our industry that were never really that good anyway. You know, the cult of the specialist and the the hero programmer and all those kind of things. You know, it's 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 taking a lot of that that out. It's as we start concentrating on skills around teamwork, effectiveness, communication, these kind of things, right? Yeah, because I'm struggling to see uh, uh, even a, a different approach because like, again, I don't have hard numbers here, but it's, it's just a general perception. We've been in the industry for, for a very long time and, and we have, we deal with companies in many different countries as well. And, and, and it seems quite, uh, well, the problems that they describe are the same. 
So it seems that there is a shortage. There is far more demand today than there was before. So even if you play the, the money game, you, you, you try to offer more and more money, like someone will need to win that game at some point, and then most people will lose that game. But but the shortage is still there. It's not you lost a professional, but it's not that you're gonna get the next one. There's no professional, so there's not enough people to satisfy all the demands. And the companies they need to keep trading and they need to keep evolving their systems. So I don't see another alternative than actually growing more people. But then this this changes the 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 the. As you were saying before, it changes the company's perspective on software developers. Before, some of them took a long time to, to uh, accept that the maybe accept is too much of a strong word, but but to understand that their technology uh, department was a strategic department, right? It was not just a cost center. So this took a long time for them to to for a lot of companies to realize and. Most companies today already realize that, but now it goes to the next level. It's not only a strategic department, it's a department that they need to nurture and grow, right? They need to get to start investing. So the investment is not only now, oh, we need to hire a few talented people and always make sure that we are replenishing, like, so as people leave the company, we hire more tech. No, the, the strategy becomes even more long-term now. And the investment becomes even bigger now and more strategic than anything else, because if they want to start growing those people uh, with less, with maybe not with the exact experience that they want, but with the potential, that will take a few years to materialize. And that's a lot of investment, and that changes how they see their department. Before we continue down the funnel, I'm going to throw in a question that I that yeah. I know a lot of, you know, it's people have been talking about this. Uh, a bit, um, which is with the advent of all these boot camps and you know, let's say academies and so on that is that are trying to provide, you know, the the, the offer no to, to that demand. Right? Um, a lot of people who maybe studied computer science or they went and got their degree and stuff like that. Uh, there's been a discussion around whether this is, you know, they're intruding now because you, you get people who have maybe very tactical knowledge of a framework, of a, you know, language, etc. But some of the other things that you would study when you study computer science or, or software engineering or whatever, you, they're kind of lacking in, right? So what are your thoughts on on that? <laughs> let's not go this is a fireside talk on its own but let's do it briefly because it <laughs> briefly, is a question yeah. that everybody will ask right um, I yeah because we're talking about should... bringing people in with less with, you know with less experience a lot of these people maybe sure. you know they change professions right they they were really you know they were seniors in in a different field or whatever yeah. and they decided that you know it was a good time to to that change right so there's a lot of value and in, in, in transferable skills in many of you know, these people that are joining, they just don't have, you know, the experience uh, on the technical side, right? So, hmm. what do you think? I I, I don't know, Mesh. Do you want for do you want to go first? Do you want me? I have a lot of opinions on this topic. Uh, well, I can briefly express mine and then give All you. Right, go on. Then. Go on then. And then let the the other half an hour know. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, like, uh, w one thing I would like to say is that, you know, I mean, I have two degrees in computer science, and I think it's a very small fraction of that that I would say in terms of the technical skills that I use. Yes, the way the the way of learning and so on was really important, and I'm glad I did those, but I don't think the degree is important. And I don't think people with degrees should feel that they are being encroached upon by other people. Like, just because you have a degree does not give you the right to be the gatekeeper of the industry, right? So, so, so that's my kind of first opinion. The, in terms of a, a, you know, someone doing a bootcamp, it completely depends on who it is. And now we were just talking about all those different kinds of skills that are not related to tech skills. Even in our own uh, skills kind of disciplines that we look for, we have five that are non-technical and one that is technical mastery, right? So, and a lot of the technical stuff can be teach, yeah, taught rather. Yes, there are a lot of skills involved in the technical arena and yes, it, it does take time, but actually that's the thing where you can, can manage and you can manage the progression much easier than certain other skills, right? So to kind of briefly answer your question, I think boot camps and uh, these kind of things, they do serve an important function. People that come out of this, they, they are, in my view, and this is probably controversial, they're not ready yet for the, uh, for, you know, kind of dri driving without a, a, a kind of an instructor, right? However, they are, they are a good source of people to have in teams as uh, depending on, again, it totally depends on what else they were doing before that, right? I'm talking kind of just purely from a technical point, skills point of view. If you have a good team around them, if you have good mentors and so on, and as Sandra was saying, you do have a good plan to grow them over, over more than a year. We've had one or two people from boot camps and we always, we always keep an eye out you know, and every, everywhere where we, but one thing we have found is the people coming from boot camps, they need, if they don't have any commercial experience already, they need at least one year, if not more of, of very uh, strong kind of mentorship and supervision for them to kind of start working independently at the level that we and our clients are expecting us. But we are a consultancy. There are higher expectations on us than other companies like you know certain product companies and and larger kind of organizations okay so my turn now so how much yeah. time do we have <laughs> <laughs> take a, as long as you like i'm done so, <laughs> don't don't say that because people will be bored but like the okay i'll try to be as brief as i can be in such a unimportant topic so for i would like you to to start saying that we have a shortage in our industry. And for me, any initiative that helps people to come into our industry and contribute to our industry is welcome. I want to be very, very clear with that. I don't think that universities uh, should be the only way to break into our industry. And like Mesh, I also came from a very traditional background. I studied computer science and I have a master degree in distributed objects. So I came through a very academic path uh, to, be, to join our industry. And knowing what I know today, I'm not sure if I would have gone through the same path. Knowing what I know today and the current state of technology today, where you can just Google for whatever you want to learn 
and you have plenty of free material or very cheap material to learn, I'm not sure if I would spend or invest like so many years and so much money of my life to start into the industry. I probably would, I like the idea of accelerating the path to join our industry. So in general, I see bootcamps as a very, very good thing and play a fantastic role in our industry. I want to make it very clear before I start saying other things. So <laughs> now it comes to uh, the, 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 the example is how ready those people are. And so for example, what we see a lot of uh, those people are changing careers, right? Which means that a three months training. So like, I think that we should all understand that like for someone changing careers, and going through a three months intensive boot camp, they will have a, 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 a the initial foundation, but that's most most often than not not enough for them to drive without an instructor or next to them, as Masha was saying, using the same analogy. And but but to be fair, there are also different types of companies. So I think that the boot camps should actually we have, should have more of those. Because we need more people and we need more diverse people in terms of skills and what they want to do and how they work and how they think. But and there are different types of companies that might need them. So, for example, if you have a, a product company with very well established domains, right? So established teams and stuff, you need to expand your, your group. Companies that are more stable in their business environment, the pace is more steady, is more stable, the pace that they deliver things. They have an, enough people in the organization that know their, the, the systems well, the domain well and stuff. Those are great companies to onboard people coming from bootcamp because they can provide a very uh, safe space for those people to come in. Safe not only for the people, for the company as well. So they can bring in people with that are not fully ready yet but they can, they, they, it's easier to create the space to nurture those people on the job. Yeah, that you cannot, a, a team of seven or a team of eight can absorb one or two people coming from bootcamp. See, 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 see where I'm coming from? You know, it's stable, mainly in product companies. If you are a service company like us, where our clients are paying for the expertise of our consultants, those people will be too far away from being in front of a client on their own and representing the company. So for us onboarding those people, the investment on them would be far longer for them to be able to provide the service that we expect than they would be for a, a product. And this would be the same for a very fast paced industry or an industry that uh, needs highly skilled engineer, people in research or, or like the front office of a bank. Take an investment bank, take the front office of a, a, of a bank. It's like non-stop traders in your neck and bringing her, where's the next report? Do I need this data combination and the quantum, this and that? And, and so depending on the kind of skills that you expect, you need to be realistic of which kind of person you need to have in everywhere. But like, are they a good source of uh, people that you can nurture in a safe space? Absolutely, it's valid, but they need to be placed in a in a in a company in an environment where they can succeed and the company could have their return on investment in nurturing them so that's, yeah, that's I, what... I think it's like you know it's that at level at which point they can start contributing 
positively, right? In a team, as you said, in a team of a larger team, they can almost start contributing immediately. In teams like ours, I mean, we've we found, right, we've tried those experiments, it takes years. Yeah. Uh, because of because we we need to build those people up and often we will if if we know that someone is at not the minimum level that we need and our clients expect we you know even if we try to bring them into a team with our client the client rightfully asks like you know okay your people are spending time uh you know kind of training up your other people in my project yeah, with and my money. I, I know this is very short-sighted, but it's a question they ask, and we have to provide an answer to that, right? And this is, you know, if some clients are actually, you know, yeah. they are open to it, but unfortunately, most are not. Yeah. No, but uh, I think that this is a good segue. Sorry, uh, maybe like for us, like instead of like, for example, inevitably, regardless of the type of company and the type of people, because we also need to. Uh, grow companies, companies that, that are fast-paced, consultancies, product companies, every company. They need to bring people in and nurture them. They might have different needs and, they, and the way that they nurture is different, but like the problem persists. So maybe it would be good to see like what are good ways to do that? So how do we nurture those? Okay, it's great. We need to train them, but like we send a two-day training course and that's enough. So how does that work? Uh, just to to add something else before we go into that, sorry, uh, Sandra, because I, I know mm -hmm. we can, we can continue moving and it's it's time already. Uh, just one last thing is I think that um, this is going to be a, an unpopular opinion. Yeah, <laughs> so, the go ones on that then. I like to yeah, on, but you know, yeah. you risk give, make give, it very give, unpopular. Give, now that you created expectations, yeah. make it very unpopular. Give give no. that small sentence that people can tweet about and say, oh, look exactly, what he said. Exactly, exactly. Right? Uh, he said, exactly. Yeah. So uh, I I do believe that because of the current context and the things that I was explaining before, you know, where the the, the strategies to get people in were, were all about, you know, extrinsic motivators and what can I give you and, what you know, what can you give me? What do you offer? Uh, that kind of stuff, right? Uh, I feel like especially people who come into the industry quite recently, they, they've been spoiled. This is my, they've, they've been spoiled. They, they have no point of comparison, uh, you know, to what it could be, you know, or it has been, or it is in some places, right? Uh, now less because of the things that we mentioned, but it, but it is. Now, this is something that is very particular to the tech industry. So when you get people from coming from other industries where this is not the norm, yeah, going into the tech industry, I feel like there is a that reference point. There is that comparison of, of how good we have it, no, so to speak. And they tend to value a lot more the opportunities and the and the things that are uh, you know available to them. Uh, and we've seen this. We we have people. No, that joined, you know, through the academy, for instance, they were coming from, you know, being a freelancer, setting up uh, audio installations or, you know, sound uh, technician. Yeah. 
having to really really like work under the clock and a lot of pressure and a lot of and and they've told us no like like this is one of the easiest gigs that i've had in my life it's like it's okay i just you know i i learn i apply you know nobody's screaming at you nobody there are all these things that that i was uh, exposed to that give me a frame of reference from which to evaluate what we have and i feel like that is a good thing in, in, in my opinion, uh, that is a good thing. Whether you like it or not, whether you like to be called spoiled or not, and not saying everyone, but this this is what I see a lot, right? So now we can move on into the into the, okay. So how do you how do you mitigate those risks? No, and you know you're you're uh, bringing people into your organization that maybe are not at the required level. Like, what are the things that you can put in place? Well, you can have. Um, of course, an, an academy, right? Uh, but the the whole point uh, of these things is usually to deliver content, no, or to deliver knowledge. But that does not create the uh, the the skill or the proficiency in in what you have. So for me, there is an aspect of a, accompanying that person throughout that process and making sure that it that it's receiving a great feedback. Because this is one of the things that are that I feel like essential. If you want to improve fast, you can do it on your own, and it will take you a very long time if you're hitting the same rock. But if you have someone who's been through it, who that is able to pinpoint, hey, you know, maybe doing this thing differently, try try this next time and see, you know, how that works. Because you know, this is do you notice how this is affecting this and that, right? That that idea of of having great feedback and having a culture that generate that because a lot of a lot of the time people think of you know mentorship programs no and now uh, you get you're going to get someone assigned to you and that person's going to be but the reality is you want to get to be getting great feedback from everyone if you're able to create a culture where peers are helping each other grow and are teaching each other and they you know the, there's no uh, uh, or there, there's no arrogance around these things. I feel like that's the that's the best environment you can have uh, to to help people in this endeavor. No, right. So, so I, that, those I, are things. So you have the content delivery and the the culture. Yeah, the, the feedback yeah, culture. So, sorry. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm assuming that when you talk about peer, we talk about different seniority levels and like you know communities of practice and that kind of stuff, right? Where where you, you do have the opportunity to work with people that are at different experiences uh, and different expertise than you. And, and so that you can, you know, learn both from a seniority and also diversity, right? So, so that's definitely one thing. Do you mean content by certain kind of training and framework of training that is you know that you can yeah like knowledge into. delivery no it's like hey you know you want to learn i don't know tdd red ring refactor and you know you do the kata and you do this but then that uh, that doesn't really translate directly into you having the skill to do it on the on the job right like you learn the vocabulary you learn the 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 thought process you learn a lot of things it's not like it's useless eh? but then you need the practice yeah the and experience. not only you need the practice you need the exactly the, the experience you also need the feedback in order to be able to to 
go through that cycle of learning, right? Or I tried this and I learned from that and and, and well, iterate. That, that's what, what, what I was going to say as well, is that, you know, there is certain something that you can do yourself in order for you to put yourself in positions where you gather these different experiences, but also the company needs to support you as well in, you, you know, it cannot all be left to you because you are working under certain constraints mm -hmm. as an employee. The company also needs to keep a very active view on what kind of experiences you need. And I, and I think the both can need to combine because of course the company also works under constraints on what kind of experiences they can give you, right? Yeah, and I remember that, um, for example, when we were uh, in previous companies before Cogenius Mesh and I worked for investment bank and even other consultants, the way that those things were done, uh, we we had the, 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 how can I say, the, the the companies allowed us to to do certain things to create the the, the community of practices or to do some uh, lunch and learns they 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 they, they were they, they allowed us to use some time company time to do some some uh, knowledge share among ourselves but that was not done by the organization the organization said like if you guys want to to spend a couple of hours here and there uh, giving talks to each other or coding in a room, fine, we are happy with that. Uh, but there was no structure from the company. And I, I feel nowadays uh, that this is not enough because this relies on very specific individuals that had the energy to actually run those sessions or organize those internal events or share their knowledge. But as those, those individuals decided to move on, or they uh, lost uh, his, his team, like so they, they were busy with projects or whatever, those things uh, were not happening and, and they end up dying, right? So I feel that given the current market, just, just relying on the individuals and doing that organically is not enough anymore. It's not enough for us and it's not enough for any of our clients. Like we had conversations today with a very large organization. Uh, we have two of our existing clients asking for a very similar thing where they're creating a formal process. Like I, so things that is part of the organization, the organization is creating a structure in order to nurture their own people. And, and, and we have other companies that we are aware of that, that we know you mentioned two of them Jose, early on in this episode that are also investing in their product. And, and this, it, it will need to happen. We cannot just rely on, on people. They, it will need to be part of the company strategy to, to keep it It needs evolving. to be a system, no? It's, it's something that is intentional, yeah? Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Deliberately designed, right? So Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I would say that, because uh, we're mentioning you know, communities of practice, and and all these let's say learning um, you know, systems or, or or knowledge sharing systems, and there is a lot that has been researched uh, about this, right? It, it doesn't need to be something that just happens organically, and you know, ah, someone wants to do a lunch and learn, and so you can, uh, you can design this, right? You mm -hmm. but you need to know what you're doing. So if someone wants to look. Uh, things up. I think there's a, there's a guy. Uh, I don't know if it's a guy or, or, or when it, uh, someone called Etienne uh, Wagner, I think, or, or Wagner, 
uh, who's been doing a lot of research on on this topic uh, as well. So if you are kind of like looking into this, this is something that you could uh, that you could check out uh, if you want some guidance on on that. Now there is a other aspect of it. We mentioned the academy. We mentioned the you know the kind of feedback. No, so that people can learn and so on. Uh, and you brought out the the point where you know certain clients are asking us things, and in particular in technical um, areas, there is this role of the technical coach. Yeah, and I feel like coaching, technically, if you're an I, you know, a, a tech company, uh, is something that you will definitely benefit from. No. However, it's something that requires a specific, you know, kind of people. Yeah, uh, it's not just being good technically. That's that's one aspect. But you also need to have that soft skill uh, kind of area, uh, and you know, the also the knowledge around how to help people through that journey. And that is something that is also worth investing in. So recognizing talent within the organization with those. Uh, characteristics and, and nurturing that. No, we talked about uh, giving people opportunities to to uh, uh, practice and so on. Is is I think also essential, right? So if you have that person who's naturally good at you know sitting down with someone, helping them out, and you know learning or sharing knowledge and and so on, they have good people skills. That is probably a missed opportunity if you're not encouraging that and and providing the support that that requires because what these people do is they multiply yeah? yeah they turn whatever it is that you think is being able to do right now and they can you know there's the 10x programmer this is like a hundred or, or a thousand right because it, it's really that powerful when it's done properly Right. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's another aspect that you can do in order to. Do that. There, there is another element as well, and it's you know very prevalent in XP and and you know software craftsmanship and so on. It's it's actually so one you know kind of work, working together as a team. Things like pair programming, mob programming, all those kind of things as well. But a very kind of a whole team attitude, mm -hmm. and a uh, an attitude of teaching and learning. Right, this community that comes from, like, you know, we came out of the software craftsmanship community, and it almost we take it for granted that we're always very happy to to help someone else next to us, and creating that kind of culture within your teams, where you know we kind of live in some kind of a bubble as well, because we take it for granted that people are, you know, they they are very, you know. Uh, eager to pay program to mob program they're very eager to to help each other to participate in communities of practice and those kind of things but this culture has to be nurtured this kind of thing has to be encouraged so that uh, people can can actually learn from each other and as you talked about they are they are coaching each other so it's not just one coach coming in and maybe you know helping out and of course that's that's important and even running certain types of training courses but you know the team learning from each other is is a is a very important aspect i think yeah th this is this is where the, the i find the balance uh, very difficult and for example we've been speaking to organizations in uh, the past few months and, 
and I'm I'm finding it amazing every time I speak to to their CTOs or head of engineering or, 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 or anything. Like how many times in the past this year mainly, like the company saying, "Oh, we grew massively during the pandemic," and, and but people saying, like for example, doubling in size every year, and, and going from tens to a thousand in in a matter of a very few years, right? So. And it's amazing that those those companies are able to do that. We are growing, not not at that ratio, uh, but we are also growing significantly. And, and, and then that, that's what we were saying at the beginning, like companies need to grow. They, 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 they have to cope with the demand, their work that they, the, the, they need to do and, and stuff. But that growth is creates problems as well. And, 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 and and I think that if you align, people need to be more strategic uh, in order to attract more people, but also to, to make sure that they don't create a much bigger problem, right, internally as they bring it. And those things, they'll need to be done by design, as we were saying before. I think this is this is one thing that we, this is a problem that we need to solve and problems that other companies have much bigger than us because they already did the growth. Mm-hmm. And now they have all those people that joined them. And they need to create a sense of identity, first of all, because you 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 brought all those people in, but you need to retain them and that return on investment, let's say. So those people will take some time to adapt, to learn the organization, and to be uh, efficient, right? So to start working and, and, and provide that that, that uh, return, let's say. So, so they need to make sure that that return happens and those people stay with them and they become part of the culture. So they need to create the identity and give the skills. And this is quite difficult when you try to retrofit, right? So for a lot of companies, and this is advice that we, we need to give and listen ourselves, is like make sure that as we are growing, we are also thinking about that as well. As yeah. we are bringing those people in, we have a way to integrate them well both culturally and with yeah. the right skills yeah don't 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 go on a hiding spree and then say oh what do i do with this now <laughs> oops i did it again uh no this is this is a good start you know uh entry point to the the topic that we parked before right you Matt, you were saying you know in 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 this remote uh first hybrid situation no yeah. or hybrid kind of approach um, how do you make sure that things like what we're talking about, this culture of feedback, of learning, uh, and and you know that ca- that identity, that camaraderie, no, um, you're able to sustain, not only create but sustain uh, through time in an environment where you know people continue with their lives, right? Some people we've we've had it, no, people that were in in London or Barcelona and decide, okay, I'm going to move out or I'm going to go back to my hometown with my family because I, you know, I can do what I'm doing from there, no, and I'll be, you know, with with the people that I want no also around me that I have to say no in order to get access to to a different thing right so all of those barriers are going away we're we're all now kind of like at the same distance no so to speak um what what are the things that can be done in order to create 
or sustain that uh, culture or that unity? That's a big question, Jose, right? Mm -hmm. When we have one minute to go, hey? Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> I, I think normally we take we take all the way to ten, <laughs> but uh, ten but uh, <laughs> I mean, could, you know, we, if you want, we could do a fireside just on you know keeping a culture and remote. That could be a good could create an identity. Yeah, because because yeah, because I feel that like answering this question, creating an identity will also vary from context as well. I think that there are potentially, there might be some things that you can do that are similar across organizations, but I think that the type of organization that you have may also uh, limit or uh, constrain you in what you can do to create that identity or the things that you choose to create an identity around might differ depending on which kind of organization you have yeah and and the culture is a slightly different thing although they are quite intertwined you know mm -hmm. like you in a way you kind of peg the culture on the identity you know uh, mm -hmm. but you know the cultures that that are, we are trying to promote especially when we are talking about people and their development and we're talking about uh advocacy right kind of this ambassadorship and so on, these kind of things. I think all these things are, are very important, but it would take us a, a while to to discuss. Yeah. And yes, they, they do differ. I mean, we can talk about our own and what we are trying to do. But yeah. again, we are a software services company, right? So there are certain problems that we have that others don't and certain uh, benefits that we have that others don't. So, so in order to wrap up, like, uh, I'll ask a different question today. So what are your, is there any takeaways uh, from you guys, given the, the conversation we had? Um, I think for me, the biggest takeaway is that, you know, growing sustainably is, is about putting these processes and these systems in place to grow your people before before you go on on that hiring spree right uh, that's one big takeaway for me i think that you need to to look at these things in a kind of a holistic way and not just open the funnel up at the top right you need to look at retention you look at look at people development coaching mentoring you need to look at the culture of the organization all these things have to kind of prepare for growth even if you sort out the problem of actually hiring, uh, sort the problem of hiring uh, more or hiring what, what you think you need. Yeah. Jose? There, there is one thing that we kind of mentioned in passing, and I feel like it, it has a lot more weight than we actually kind of no, gave it, which is when you're going to is the importance of selecting based on attitude and cultural fit and by this i don't mean there there shouldn't be any uh, again diversity of variety and so on which is how people tend to think about this and i was like no you're hiring people that are exactly like dude no that's not what i'm trying to say i'm talking about people who share those values of the culture that you are 
trying to independently of what background or you know race or skin color whatever right um uh, things like uh, the the learning uh, aspect no or that that drive for improvement uh things like uh empathy and and actually caring uh for people uh things like you know uh just f feedback and being good people in general. So all of those things, I think, Trump, uh, yeah, of course, this is the kind of culture that, that we are creating now, and, and I, mm -hmm. this is why I'm referring to them. But, you know, whatever it is, the culture that you are trying to create, having people join the organization who are sharing and are aligned with those values for real is, is extremely important. And having people... Uh, intervening in that process yeah this is another thing that we didn't discuss but having people intervene in a process that actually represent those values and that they can act as a they can recognize those things in in candidates as well is extremely important the worst thing that can happen is that you go to you hire a new hr recruitment person uh, because they glowing reference and so on you give them a spec of you know these are the things that we need go and find and they will get what you ask them. But there's this aspect of culture and so on that that person may not even have because they just joined the company or because they, they don't know, you know, they, they're not able the values is it's not as easy to, to see. You no, know? like it's not a you're talking about behaviors and, and things that drive those behaviors, no? So I think that is a massive thing that should not be overlooked. Um, you can you can put a lot of these things in place. Uh, if you have the right foundation, but if you have a, a crappy foundation, it doesn't matter how much investment uh, you put in and how much time you dedicate and how much you know support you you give people. There's no the, the, nothing can grow in that soil, right? Uh, so I think that's that would be yeah part of my takeaway. Yeah, it's, it's similar to mine as well. So I think that. Uh... One thing is like the we would need to, given the shortage that we have in global competition, remote work, uh, I think that not only us, but most companies, we will need to be more flexible in what they are looking for. Instead of just aiming for a very precise kind of skill set or type of people, or type of person, we will need to relax that a little bit more. And that is different from lowering the bar. We are, we are looking, what we do, instead of like looking for all the skills, a, a, a ready-made person to start working next day with everything that you need, we need to start look more and more for potential and put far more uh, effort in growing those people, getting the right cultural fit, as you were saying, Jose, and the potential, and then create programs internally to grow and nurture those people and integrating them into the company, both culturally and with the skills necessary as well. And this will become more and more important until I don't think we ever will have like the, we'll solve the shortage uh, issue in our industry. I think that the demand, as Matt said, is, is just, it's, it's been a trend. It's just become becoming worse and worse. I think we have far more demand than, than supply. Uh, and that's why it becomes far more important for us to. to, to I, one one thing that I would say mm -hmm. on what you mentioned is like, I agree, it's not lowering the bar if you take care 
of providing that support and growing the people. Otherwise, you are yes. lowering the bar. You know, yeah, you, otherwise you, you, are. you just relax and don't do anything. <laughs> then you are because then, then you are. You are. <laughs> the exactly. Exactly. I think with with uh, kind of chance, we may go into another kind of conversation, <laughs> but. We, I think in most cases, like if, if you are um, concentrating on one thing, like we were, people were doing technology, they were not concentrating on uh, other skills like cultural fit and so on often, right? You know, you kind of put a lot more emphasis on like the technology, the hard, the skill. hard skills and so on. And so in a way, the bar was lower earlier. Than, than it is now. So certain things like the attitudes would, would you know, you'd kind of pass that by. Oh, this person doesn't look like a great team player, but, you know, they have these skills, these specific technology, Dr. this House kind of thing. It's really, really yeah. good, but he's a jerk. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and <laughs> like, in a way, nobody that, wants to work with him. That is a low really bar. Good. That is a low bar. <laughs> I, I like that. Like, I haven't thought about this this way, but like, uh, this is a, a very good. Uh, food for thought for us to finish because this is a very good point, Mesh. How how often have we seen uh, environments that they were not pleasant to work with, but the individuals working in their environment they have the right technical skills or hard skills to do their job individually, but collectively that was not a great bar and a great environment. And then you can ask like which bar was lower, and that's yeah. a, I think this is a great great uh, way for us to. Uh, to finish this episode because a very good food for thought in there. Uh, so, as always, like if you enjoyed this this chat, like subscribe to the channel, give us a thumbs up, and let us know uh, your thoughts about this this episode. If there is anything you like us to discuss, we'll be more than happy to to take your suggestions. All right. See and, you uh, next time. Yeah. Oh, just, yeah. Just, yeah. Don't forget to subscribe so that you get uh, notifications. Notifications. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. See you next time. Bye-bye.